Case number 305, Diary of Nathaniel Pepys, dated March 1667. Recorded by Elroy Patel, researcher of the mind, University of London. Recording begins. It has been eight years since I first had the terrible sight that I'm about to describe. Eight years since the awful wind that blew in the life of London. Eight years since I used to think I had some power over me and my own choices. But I don't think so anymore, and I'll tell you why. To whosoever who discovers this, I don't care if you believe me or not. I don't care if you think I was monstrous somehow, that I made a pact with something unknown. It's not my concern to dispel the lies that circulate about me. It has been my job to write the accounts of the plague of my city, to document stories that would be lost to this awful miasma around us. And this is last of such accounts, for I fear my body would be found, but none will know how and truly why. This is an honest account of my life since that girl struck and this will answer your questions. I can no longer ignore what follows me, neither can I leave without telling my truth. It all happened in the dimly lit streets of London, when the lamps shone on the faces of the passers-by like oil that shone in the suffocating orange. They looked like dolls with washed-up paint where the faces should normally be, with seemingly normal movements but creaking joints and somehow only I could see so. I tried to ignore this, thinking it was some disease that was setting within me, some dizziness that was blurring my vision. So I tried walking home without a moment's dismay. But I was wrong, for then I saw what looked like a slithering flesh of black. A snake at first, but my curiosity followed it to what seemed the door of a house down to Lockbury. It pulsated and bubbled, its awful being, as it slithered in the muck towards the home. As you can imagine, I fled from that sight. But this kept happening. In odd flashes as the sun began to set and the oppressing orange drowned the city, the black muck seemed to appear. Its filth spread like tendrils and tentacles that slithered towards the houses. They clung on to some people, their hands screwed with the muck of the pulsating being. I thought I was going mad with some poison that my dreadful maid was mixing in my food. 
or a disease that my physician couldn't identify yet. I, I, I tried to think of ways to justify the muck. And I did this all till I saw poor Johnny, my little neighbor, engulfed in the blackness. The pulsating veins encircled his body through and through as he laid bare in his bed. Sick and pale as he became day by day, the beings now covered his bare skin, covered in slither that had bubbles in the surface of it, having something like a black pus that oozed from them as they moved and popped. They were growing and only I could see them and hear them. And the smell was obnoxious and the froth of the filth that filled the whole room now. I saw him as the veins came out of his mouth and they bubbled and spread that awful smell. They were coming from inside him now and I cannot explain how, no matter how hard I try. After that, little Johnny was no more. Clammy and lifeless. Cold enough to cut through my fingers to the core. His body was to be taken away. These veins engulfed the sickly. And as the death that surrounded us became clear, I couldn't help but think it was because of these beings. This was a black death. Although nobody seemed to much care why I called it so, and none seemed to notice the beings. And I tried to keep shut about it. My curiosity led me to investigate them more. It wasn't any animal. It wasn't something living, as I found later. As I tried to poke and prod the thick muck that slithered into the house at the corner of Chapside Street, the thick, fleshy tendril that almost wailed in pain as it let out the black ooze from the poke of the stick. As my stick melted and I let go of it in sheer horror, it melted and bubbled and wailed with a thick must. And I ran away from it in fear that I would succumb to its powers too. But it was almost as horrifying to live like this, in the wake of my nightmares as a reality. I, I couldn't help but think my mind was playing tricks on me. But I was wrong. I could see the black, tenderous death slithering and oozing its miasma as it went. As the piles of bodies gathered outside Newgate, piled in heaps that grew to cover the whole churchyard, so much that the ground refused to bury any more, and the huge pit had to be burned with all the rot and the filth in it. And as the chapel couldn't burn any longer, the rotting flesh surrounded us all around. 
and the dripping black muck from the roofs of the infected houses crossed out in red and plenty. We were running out of the wheelbarrows to carry the corpses of the infested and the dead. The streets couldn't hold so many carts and the wood gave away under the melting black bubbles that oozed in. Often the living and the infected were left to die. If any member was struck with the curse, the whole family was now boarded shut, starved to death as their houses became their tombs. As the sounds of the wails stopped from the shut doors and the black slithers that grew in became plenty, all the inhabitants of that house were dead and their house was to be burned. First it was the ghoul hall where the whole street burned, where the black beings wailed and let out their mayas mind to the dark sky. I stood there with many as we watched the houses burn, hoping the smell of the wood would mask that of the rotting bubbling flesh inside them. We had tricks and tips for the whole country going helpless and paranoid. As the fear binded us and the black death that surrounded us grew with the bird-beaked masks and the incense they spewed being not hardly enough, the disease and curse was here to stay. We just didn't know for how long. I was one of the lucky ones. After little Johnny was no more and his family shut down, I moved towards Bridewell, hoping to stay away from the pupils, but most of all to avoid seeing the muck. As the pulsating veins now covered the streets and as we all somehow moved through them, I couldn't help but try to avoid stepping on any of its branches. I couldn't help but take that tortoise walk everyone in London now knows me as. I couldn't help but flee my city. I flee to the parts where I could no longer see those veins. And for almost six years, I thought I wouldn't see them again. But today, today in the branches of the quaint apple tree in the backyard of my cottage in Norfolk, I saw it. I saw as it slowly slithered into my view, as it climbed the branch and, and the apple that grew melted away. As the muck fell to the ground, I saw it, saw it was coming, and now from my own study, I know it's coming for me. And before it climbs onto my body, I feel the urge to gouge out my eyes and soul from its filth. I write this entry as a record from this black death. Entry ends. Pepys wrote one of the most comprehensive accounts for the deaths of the London Plague of 1665. This is one of his obscure entries, largely removed from the formal publication of his accounts due to its um, supernatural nature. I'm including this in my research log as I find this one of those compelling entries of the human psyche as it manifests in different ways when faced with an adversity such as the plague. This could help us see the parallels with the epidemic that surrounds us. With all the things that we believe in, 
I'm inclined to ask why there couldn't be a person who can, you know, supposedly see the disease itself. Although I'm not sure whether I'm entering the realm of fiction or that of unknown. May the souls of the wicked and the poor alike rest in peace.